Yo, yo, what up? This is Raphael from NBA Big Board, and in this episode, I'm going to give you a revised version of my mock draft 1.0 that dropped on NBABigBoard.com, and the reason it is revised is because there were some changes after the play-in games. I'm a Blazers fan. My Blazers had two picks in the top 15 last week, and now they're down to one. But stay tuned as I give you the updated version of my Mock Draft 1.0. Right, once again, this is Raphael from NBA Big Board. Shout out to each and every person that has made NBA Big Board, the NBA Big Board podcast, your first listen of the day. And in this case, since it is Monday morning, it is your first listen of the week. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And that is because Bet Online is where the game starts. All right, like I mentioned earlier, there were some changes made in the draft order based off of the play-in. So if you checked out the article that I wrote on NBABigBoard.com last week, this is different. There'll be some a change, few changes made, just a few changes made. I know, like I said, I'm a Blazers fan. My Blazers had two first-round picks, and now we're down to one. All right, let's get started. So with the number one pick, and this is based off of the standings, but with the number one pick, it is the Houston Rockets, and I have the Rockets selecting Paolo Bancaro. If you've been following me, you know I'm a big Ben Carroll fan. I've been driving the Ben Carroll bandwagon all season long. Now, I understand that Houston could go in a number of directions here. They could go with Jabari Smith. They can go with Chet Holmgren. I personally like Paolo Ben Carroll. Now, I know, and I've had some people reach out to me, I know that many feel that Houston needs a defensive presence to play alongside Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. So they don't think that Paolo would be the best fit. But here's why I think he would be. I think a Bancaro, Alperin, Shingun front court would be dynamic on the offensive end. Both guys can score in the low post. I think both guys are very good passers. And I think that they could really complement each other. And I still feel like Bancaro was not properly used to maximize his strengths at Duke. He was mostly used as an isolation scorer that was featured on the block, but I think in the NBA, he'll be able to showcase his ball handling skills, his passing, and there'll be more spacing, and I think an NBA coach would be a lot more creative. Here's a funny scenario or comparison. I think that Ben Carroll could be very similar to Detroit Pistons' Blake Griffin. Now, when I say Detroit Pistons Blake Griffin, I'm not talking about the guy that was injured. I'm talking about the 2018-19 version of Blake Griffin. That year, he was healthy. He was playing like this point forward position, and he was averaging like 24 points, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. I think that could be Paolo Bancaro in his prime. And number two, I have the Orlando Magic selecting Jabari Smith. And no matter who the Magic take, no matter what direction they go in, it's going to be someone with an overlapping skill set. Now, Smith is arguably the best shooter. He has the size, length, and athleticism to defend multiple multiple positions, so it can be a no-brainer. Orlando was pretty low as far as three-point shooting. I think they only shot 32.9% from three as a team, so they could use Jabari Smith's outside shooting. 
Best case scenario, Smith becomes the guy that creates like this defined pecking order in Orlando. I feel like if you ask five different players in Orlando, who is the best player on the team? Who is the future of the team? Who is their franchise? Guys, you may get five different players. So best case scenario, Jabari Smith becomes this inside outside presence that again, creates a defined pecking order in Orlando, but they could also take a look at Chet Holmgren but I think Jabari Smith is the answer here. All right, at number three, and this is where the draft starts. This is a big surprise. I actually have Jaden Ivey leapfrogging Chet Holmgren. I have the Pistons selecting Ivey, and I think that, I mean, when you have to look at Troy Weaver's history, he is known for selecting Russell Westbrook back in 2008. Westbrook was this electrifying, super athletic guard that many did not feel had a natural position. Some thought he was a one, some thought he was a two, but he was a tweener. And that is what Jaden Ivey is considered. I think his best position may be as a point guard, but I I see him more so as a guy that just kind of has basic passing instincts in a sense. I mean, I think he's a driving kick passer. I don't think he's like this dynamite playmaker that's going to make these amazing reads but with his speed and his dribble penetration I mean he can literally collect eight or nine assists per game off dump offs but if he's in Detroit he's not going to be the primary ball handler because that role belongs to Kate Cunningham and I think that will maximize Ivy's strengths as a secondary ball handler it'll give the Pistons some athleticism don't know what that means for Killian Hayes, but I like the Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey backcourt. And Ivey would be able to play some primary point guard or primary ball handler in the second unit. So it would give the Pistons a situation where they have two dynamic ball handlers, or at least one dynamic ball handler on the floor at all times. So I like the Jaden Ivey to the Pistons scenario there. All right, at number four, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Chet Holmgren. Now, this is pretty much a no-brainer. All they have to do is select the best player that is available, that is left out of the guys that many feel are in a a top tier. And Holmgren would, I mean, he would, it would be such a Sam Presti pick. Holmgren would provide the Thunder with some interior presence, which is likely a priority going into the offseason. Now, I mean, he may not be like this physical interior presence, but he gives them a shot blocker. He gives them a rebounder. And the Thunder are in a good position. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is their franchise guy. Josh Giddy, I mean, could be first-team all-rookie. Then you add in Holmgren. And, you, I mean, you, you get a very important piece to your rebuilding puzzle that is a good fit, I think. Now, Holmgren and Alexei Polkashevsky would be, like, the most incredibly thin Front court in NBA history, they would struggle with physicality, but man, it would be a unique front court with skills and passing. I mean, it, it would be fun to watch. Don't know how many games they would win, but I mean, I I'm visualizing the Thunder with like these crazy lineups. All right at number five, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting Keegan Murray. Now he may not be the sexiest prospect, and but you can make a case and say he was the most productive player in college basketball. I know he doesn't have like this ideal athleticism or vertical pop. And some may feel like he doesn't have a great upside because he is a little bit older for his class. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that was inside, outside, and he was a pretty good defender. I mean, he got blocks, he got steals. 
But what's interesting about Murray is if you look at his body type, he does not strike you as a guy that does most of his damage in transition. And that's exactly what, what he did. He excelled as a transition finisher. Again, 39.8% from three. I think that he would thrive playing next to Tyrese Halliburton and would be a good compliment, maybe a better compliment than Sabonis was for Miles Turner. And number six, I have my Portland Trailblazers selecting Benedict Matherin. Matherin is your plug-and-play 3-and-D guy. I think he's NBA-ready, and that's at the minimum. I think if he can continue to make strides as a ball handler and show more offensive creativity, I think the sky's the limit. I definitely believe that he has some upside as a guy that can generate his own offense off the dribble. And again, he shows some improvement. Now, 10 years ago, the Blazers had the sixth pick, and they selected this guy named Damian Lillard, and I think that worked out well. So maybe 10 years later, Matherin could be the next franchise guy for the Blazers. And number seven, I have the Sacramento Kings selecting A.J. Griffin. Now, Griffin is someone that can definitely help the Kings. They traded away their best shooters in Buddy Hield and Tyrese Halliburton in the trade that sent Sabonis to the Pacers. So they definitely need someone like A.J. Griffin that can knock down open shots. Griffin shot around like 44% from three this year. But I think that he has more game than he was able to showcase. He was coming off an injury, so he was a little bit passive and wasn't the slasher that 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 he was prior to college or, or before the injuries. But this will all depend on his medical records. If his medicals check out good, then he could easily be a top five to seven pick. If there are some concerns there, then you could see him fall out of the lottery. But I think Griffin addresses a need for the Kings in outside shooting. And if he can become like the slasher that he was before, then then the Kings have a real steal there with that pick. All right, before I get into the next round of players, I want to talk to you about Athletic Greens. Now, I was living overseas, and I came back home, and I had like this big box. And I'm trying to figure out, where does this box come from? I know I didn't order anything, but it was a box of Athletic Greens. So I decided to go ahead and, and, and try it out, and... It has definitely, definitely been worth it. So shout out to to the people at Athletic Greens for sending me a box. So you may say, Raphael, what is Athletic Greens? Well, with just one scoop, just one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are, are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and they will help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery focus, and aging. Basically, everything that you want. Now, I give you some facts. It is very lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while it still tastes good and it supports better sleep, which is something that I have been struggling with because I've been going back and forth between two different continents with a six or seven hour time difference. So Athletic Greens has helped me get a little bit better sleep. It supports mental clarity and alertness. So right now it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. 
Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And while you're taking your athletic greens, I'm going to suggest you try a built bar, but specifically the built bar puffs. If you haven't tried one, you are missing out on one of built bars, best tasting bars. The puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat and they're covered with 100% real chocolate. Puffs have been a fan favorite because of the incredible flavors. They got this yummy cinnamony churro. They got coconut marshmallow. They got banana pie. I mean, these are going to be your favorite. And again, let me remind you that these are covered with 100% real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high protein. They will replace your candy bars with ease because they're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Now, if you go to built.com and if you scroll down to the macros chart, you'll be blown away. It's high protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs, and most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, which if you compare that to a candy bar, it's like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So check out some of the flavors, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and what I call the Jason Williams white chocolate cookies and cream flavor. That is my favorite. They're all delicious. There's new flavors coming out all the time, but at Built Bar, it's not about, well, put it like this. Let me get this correct. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every time. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off of your next order order. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow from NBA Big Board, and thank you for making the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, I would advise you to check out the Locked On Now podcast. It gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from my local experts. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, I left off at number seven, and now at number eight, and this is the biggest wild card in the draft. I have Shaden Sharp from Kentucky. Well, he is at Kentucky, but he never played a game for Kentucky. But he is the biggest wild card in the draft. Now, there are rumors and rumblings that he is going to return to school and not enter the NBA draft. I think that is very interesting. Unless that NIL money at Kentucky is more valuable than being a top 10 pick, it just doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me. To me, that is. It doesn't make a lot of sense for him to return to school because I think at this point he is a lock to go in the top 10 despite only scoring as many points and rebounds as me and you and everybody else that is listening to this podcast. He did not score a single point, did not play a single game, and all of this is based off of the incredible season he had last summer in the EYBL. But he is your big wing shot maker, just has tr- tremendous upside and potential. 
and I have the Pelicans selecting him at number eight. I think he'll be a good fit in New Orleans simply because they already have their stars in place with Zion Williamson, if he ever plays. But Zion, I mean, if if you're not going to play, then you got to look good on the bench. And that chain that Zion had on last night was, I mean, the diamonds were dancing. It was a distraction. But if Zion is playing, you got Brandon Ingram, you got C.J. McCollum, you have a, a good foundation there in New Orleans. And if you add Shaden Sharp to the mix, and if he ends up being the player that we think he is, then the Pelicans have a really, really bright future. That is, if Zion wants to be there. At number nine, I have the San Antonio Spurs selecting Jalen Duran from Memphis. Now, the last time the Spurs picked this high in the draft, it was back in 1997. Now, back in 1997, I was a high school senior. That's how long ago it was. I'm 42 years old. And the last time the Spurs picked this high, they ended up with the number one pick in the draft. And they got this guy named Tim Duncan. It would be pretty ironic if the Spurs end up with a guy like Jalen Duran, and then he's able to be tutored and mentored by Tim Duncan. If that's the case and Duncan is able to teach Duran some of his tricks, then he could be the center of the future for the Spurs. Now, right now, Duran should really be preparing for the prom. He is 18 years old. He reclassified and basically skipped a year. Still a little bit raw, but he is a, I mean, just like a, a this like Dwight Howard type build. I mean, just crazy physically mature for his age and has shown glimpses of a low post game. But I think what the area that really has stood out to me that, that he has shown flashes is, is his passing skills. I think he could be a pretty good short roll passer. Now, again, if Duncan can mentor Duran, then the Spurs have their center of the future. All right, at number 10, I have the Washington Wizards selecting Johnny Davis. Now, depending on what happens with Brad Bill, we don't know if Brad Bill is going to leave in free agency. We don't know what is going to happen there. But I think Davis would be a good insurance policy. And if you like players that play hard, and I think playing hard is a skill, but if you like guys that play hard every possession, then you'll love Johnny Davis. Now, he's not just like the scrappy, hard-playing role player. I mean, he is skilled. He is a shot maker. He rebounds like a like a center. I mean, he averages more rebounds per game than some of the centers that we are projecting to be top 10 picks. He averages over eight rebounds a game, a little under 20 points, and he is capable of some major, major scoring outbursts. And again, I think he could be a good insurance policy regardless. Well, he's a good insurance policy if Bill decides to leave. And if Bill stays, then I think he gives the Wizards another guy that can give them some instant offense. All right, at number 11, oh, man, last week I had Tari Eason going to the Trailblazers at number 11, but now with all the changes being made based off the play-in, the New York Knicks are on the clock at number 11, and I have the Knicks selecting Ty Ty Washington. Now, when I posted this last week, Knicks fans were upset because they feel like Emmanuel quickly is their point guard of the future. Even if he is, you still need some depth at point guard. I mean, Derrick Rose, don't know how much longer you can depend on Rose. The Kimmel Walker experience is over. You can still add some depth. I think Ty Ty is more so of a natural point guard than quickly. So I have the Knicks selecting quickly. I'm sorry, Ty Ty Washington at number 11. And number 12, falling down a spot based off of the changes, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder who are now back in the lottery again. 
selecting Tari Eason. Now, you may say Eason and Chet Holmgren play a very similar position, but I like Eason's upside as this defensive playmaker. I mean, he can create his own offense in transition. He plays with a lot of energy. He gets to the free throw line a significant amount of times just based off of his effort, hustle, and I think that he has some upside as a shot creator. Also, saw some passes that he made that that tells me that you know he can't be comfortable playing with the ball. Just a, a Swiss Army knife that fills up the stat sheet on both ends of the floor. He rebounds. He defends. He blocks shots. He gets steals. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Patrick Williams, and I think that would be a good fit for the Thunder at number 12. All right, before I finish out the rest of the lottery, I want to talk to the audience about Bet Online, and that's because Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And that is because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, at number 13, the Charlotte Hornets. Then I have them selecting Mark Williams from Duke. Now, Michael Jordan does not have to go far to find the center of the future. I thought Mark Williams made himself a lot of money in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he was good all year, but on the big stage, he showed his importance to Duke with his shot blocking, his rebounding, his energy and effort. I think he would give... LaMelo Ball, a legitimate vertical lob threat. Now, I know that Zeller and Plumlee are pretty good athletically, but I think Mark Williams just has a different level of vertical pop and energy. And I think that he would be a good running mate for LaMelo because at this point, the, the Hornets have their franchise guy. Now you just have to find players that fit around him and compliment him. And I think Mark Williams would be a good compliment there. All right, rounding out the lottery... It is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I have the Cavaliers selecting Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite team. Daniels would give the Cavs good positional size in the backcourt. I know going into the season there were concerns about the Garland, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt. They were too small. I personally was not a fan of both of them. It's almost like Sexton's injury was kind of like a blessing in disguise as Garland has clearly separated himself as, I mean, he was an all-star. He's clearly separated himself as their their point guard, as their best guard. And now I think with Mobley, Evan Mobley, that is, being a candidate for Rookie of the Year, you got Jared Allen, who was an all-star. The Cavs have, like, their foundation set. Now you're just looking for complimentary pieces. I think that Daniels allows them to if they decide to keep Sexton, allows them to, you know, just have some versatility in the backcourt. You can play Sexton and Daniels together. You can play Daniels and Garland together. I mean, I think Dyson Daniels is like this Lonzo Ball type glue connective tissue that can just play different positions and just kind of make everyone around him better. So I like that pick there. All right, at number 15, it is the Hornets back on the clock again. And now I'm going to speed through this for the last segment. And I have the Hornets selecting Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Now, Sohan, in my, in my opinion, he was the better of the two Baylor freshmen, even though he was not as highly touted as Kendall Brown. Sohan is this guy that I think is just going to be able to play multiple positions. He has the size to play both forward spots. 
still a little raw on the offensive end, but he's shown enough flashes of being able to score on offense as a, I mean, he can post up a little bit. He can score as like a cutter. He needs to work on his shot, but I mean, I, I just think like the sky's the limit for him. He has so many things that he does well with the right development program. He could end up being a high level starter. At number 16, I have the Atlanta Hawks selecting Nikola Jovic, not to be confused with Nikola Jokic. Jovic is like another Swiss Army knife. He can shoot a little bit. He can make plays for others. He can post up. He can score. I mean, he is versatile at 6'10". Something about what they have in the water in Serbia. They're producing these multi-skilled bigs, whether it's Nikola Jokic, whether it's Alexis Pokashevsky, and then you got Nikola Jovic. It's easy to get them confused. The sad thing is, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Atlanta. Atlanta has a lot of redundancy there, so there's not a clear path for any rookie to come in and earn minutes. But the way they played last night or yesterday against Miami, it looks like they're going to get swept. I know it could be overreaction because it's one game and Trey Young had a terrible game, but they have so many players that need to be fed, and they actually have the depth to where they can make a trade and, and and consolidate some of their talent. So it's up in the air whether or not they keep this pick. But if they do, I kind of like Nikola Jovic, even though he kind of is similar to Jalen Johnson, which means that he could possibly not get a lot of playing time. Honestly, if I'm an agent and if the Atlanta Hawks are going to keep their roster as constructed, I am keeping my guy away from Atlanta because I know that he's not going to get a lot of playing time. All right, at number 17, I'm higher on Kennedy Chandler than most, but I have the Rockets selecting Kennedy Chandler. I think Kennedy Chandler can kind of stabilize that offense, give them a, whether he's coming off the bench or, or, or not, but he gives them a, another guard that can get in the paint. I think he would be like the, the maybe the best passer on the team. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is a good passer, but I'm going to go with Kennedy Chandler as, as the point guard of the future in Houston. I think that he will look a lot better with NBA spacing. All right, at number 18, I have the Wolves selecting Kendall Brown. Now, Brown was highly touted. He was a top five player on my on my mock drafts at the beginning of the year, and then I've just kind of soured on him a little bit just because, I mean, he just is not aggressive. He seems like he is more comfortable fitting in than standing out, and I understand the Baylor team had their guys on there, but, I mean, he was just too reluctant of a shooter or score for me now if he can get like that whatever nick nurse put in scotty barnes is back to make scotty barnes an aggressive score if he can get that then i mean you got to steal there but i have kendall brown at number 18 to the wolves at number 19 i have ishmael kamagata who i've had a chance to watch play in person twice this year and the game that stood out to me was a game against victor wimbayama wimbayama is a projected number one pick in the 2023 draft and kendall i'm sorry and ishmael absolutely kicked his butt that game got him in foul trouble you're talking about a late bloomer that is full of energy that has high upside i think he should be able to extend his reins but at the very minimum and you're just talking about a guy that runs the floor plays hard is an elite finisher has size and has some decent passing instincts so i think Adding some depth behind Vucevic would be a good situation for Chicago, and Ishmael Kamakate could be that guy. Right at number 20, I have the Denver Nuggets selecting Marjan Bochamp. Bochamp is like this athletic defender that is a good cutter that I think would be a perfect complement to Jokic. I mean, he'll be able to just kind of score points and impact games without necessarily dominating the ball. 
and I just think he would be a good a good fit in Denver. Denver has drafted well, and, and Beauchamp could be one of three players on the G League Ignite roster selected in the first round. At number 21, I have the San Antonio Spurs selecting Ocha Agbaji. Agbaji could easily be a lottery pick. Easily be a lottery pick. I think he is one of the most plug-and-play guys in NBA ready because he's a little bit older than the guys in the class. You may have some concerns about his upside because he's 21. Not the greatest shot creator, but I think he has a role as a 3 and D defender that knocks down open shots and finishes plays in transition. Now, I know this would be like a situation where it creates a logjam of wings in San Antonio, but I imagine there will be some some movement going on in, in free agency. Right at number 22, this is one of my favorite players in the draft. This is a guy that has, I don't know how he slid under the radar so much, especially in a Power 5 conference, but I have Terquavian Smith. Smith could end up being a lottery pick. I think he's someone that's that once we get into these workouts, you're going to see his name shoot up draft boards. He is fun to watch. He's like this skinny, undersized shot creator. He's dancing with the ball, has the offensive creativity that I love and I value, but he's a, a good shooter. Shot a respectable, like 36% from three on a high, high volume of attempts. I mean, this guy is someone that exudes confidence and offensive creativity. He's, I mean, he had some of the best games for freshmen this year. He had like a no, he had two games over 30-plus points against Florida State and North Carolina. This guy is, is, is going to be special, in my opinion. And like I said, as we get closer to the draft, he, he could possibly end up being a lottery pick. Number 23, I have Christian Brown. I keep wanting to say Christian Braun, but it is Christian Brown. But it is spelled like Braun, which is confusing. But what's even more confusing is how... Brown was a 3 and D specialist his first year, first two years at Kansas. And then all of a sudden he turns into like this Swiss Army knife. He's like a guy that just, he's, he, he passes the ball well, he shoots the ball well from three, he finishes in transition. He is like this co- you know, connective tissue glue guy. I don't know where that was the first two years. I don't know whether he just made crazy improvements over the summer. He just was not used right. Either way, he is a national champion. He is a first-round pick on my mock draft. All right at number 24, I have the San Antonio Spurs back on the clock again. It's like their third pick. Evan selecting EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Liddell is this undersized power forward. I mean, he can score on the block, but I don't think that is going to be his calling card in the NBA. He'll be used as a floor spacer and defensive presence, even though he's only 6'7". He has the timing and instincts of a great shot block. He has a long wingspan, but he is someone that could play multiple positions. I think he can be like your small ball five. So imagine a P.J. Tucker that shoots threes from different spots on the floor. You know, P.J. only shoots corner threes. I think Liddell could be like a P.J. Tucker type that is more so like a pick-and-pop guy, but also gives you rim protection. Right at number 25, I have the Nets selecting his teammate, Malachi Branham. Branham was not super highly regarded coming out of high school. I mean, let me, let me, let me correct myself. I don't want to make it seem like he was a guy that didn't have any offers. He just was not highly regarded as a one-and-done type NBA prospect. And he outplayed a lot of the more highly touted and and players that were expected to be first-round picks in the same conference. He ended up winning Big Ten Freshman of the Year. 
And he has this old school Chris Middleton game. You know, like that old school game where a guy's at the Y, he has on sweats, and he's got like the gym bag full of like icy hot, but he's efficient in his spots, doesn't do a lot of dribbling, doesn't do a lot of movement, just one, two dribble, pull up, gets to his spots. That is Malachi Branham with the old school game, but I think he would be a good fit with the Nets and give them some depth on the wing. At 26, I have the Dallas Mavericks selecting Jaden Hardy. Hardy was a guy who a lot of people thought was going to be a top five pick coming into the draft. He is an exceptional talent. I mean, he knows how to get his own shot. He's an advanced shot maker, shot creator, has NBA range. The ball just was not going in (laughs) this year. He struggled with some efficiency. There was some thoughts that he could possibly develop into a lead guard. Didn't really get a chance to showcase that, but, I mean, he's shown flashes of just being able to get his own shot, and I think Dallas could use a shot maker and shot creator that they can develop alongside Luka Doncic. All right, at number 27, I have the Miami Heat selecting Christian Coloco. Coloco would add some depth at center, even though Miami currently has, I mean, Bam is their guy. you got Dwayne Detman playing well. you got Omar Yurtsevin. But Coloco would give them a vertical lob threat and another shot blocker, rim runner that they can develop. And if you get into that Miami Heat system and they develop you, they are going to maximize your talent. And Coloco just had a breakout junior year, had one of the best games of the tournament, had a 12 for 13 game against TCU. And he could be someone, again, that Miami develops and outperforms his draft position. So I have Coloco going to the Heat. At number 28, I have the Warriors selecting Jan Montero. Jan Montero definitely does not pass the eye test. He's not like this explosive athlete. He doesn't wow you with, you know, like great shooting. But one thing that he does do is put the ball in the basket and he gets buckets. And despite the fact that he's not like this crazy athlete, I haven't seen too many guys that can stay in front of him. My first time watching him was in 2020 at the Basketball Without Borders event, All-Star Weekend, and I thought he was the best player in that camp. And that camp featured Josh Giddy. And Montero, like I said, he, he kind of reminds me of Lou Williams. I think that he is going to carve out a niche in the NBA as this instant offense guy that comes off the bench and just gets buckets with his incredible pace and feel for the game and craftiness and creativity. I like Montero a lot. And Golden State... I mean, if you had a guy like Montero, now you have a situation where you have a nice nucleus of young players that you can either package for another star, which is even scary, or that you can develop once the Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green era ends, which, you know, we don't know when it's going to end. Even though those guys were on the wrong side of 30, they're still very, very, very productive. All right, at number 29, I have the Memphis Grizzlies who have so much talent and who have done such a good job of developing guys. I have them selecting Ryan Rollins from Toledo. Ryan Rollins is a a late bloomer that was also under the radar. And back when I was doing Locked One NBA Draft, I did a podcast back in like October on Ryan Rollins. And my question was, is he going to be this year's biggest sleeper? And... I mean, I, th- I think he is. I mean, he's, like I say, he's still slid under the radar. I mean, that happens when you're in the MAC conference. But we're talking about a guy that can potentially score on three levels. It has like this smooth Devin Booker type game where everything looks just pretty effortless. Scores within the floor of the offense. Athletic. Late bloomer. Only 19 years old. I mean, he is a 19-year-old sophomore who is younger than some of the freshmen 
in this draft class. So I think Memphis has the luxury of being able to gamble on upside and take a guy like Ryan Rollins. And then at number 30, wrapping up the first round, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder who are on the clock again and who love international players. I think there was like 11 international players that logged minutes for the Thunder this past season. So, of course, they need to add another international player in Ushman Jang. Jang was a guy that I thought was going to be a top 10 pick coming into the season. Got off to a terrible start. Terrible, terrible start. I mean, the start that he got off to was so bad that his shooting percentage looked more like a batting average than a field goal percentage. But as the season has gone on, he has gotten better. He's gotten more confident. And we're talking about a guy that's 6'10", that can handle the ball, that will be able to defend multiple positions, can be a playmaker. He's drawn some comparisons to Paul George. And he's starting to live up to the comparisons as the season went on. And he could be somebody that could move up into the lottery because I think that he'll look very, very good in workouts. Well, that wraps up this episode where I kind of revised my first round. All right, before I go, I want to talk to you about the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament all the way to the last possession of the NBA Finals. The Locked On experts will take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis that will be affecting all 30 teams once again this is rafael barlow from nba big board and this is the point in the show that i say i am out